0: And welcome to another edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, we are at the end, just about, of 2020. This is going to be my last show of 2020, and I wanted to end it with something that will give us some perspective, something that we can all kind of resonate with and think about on a a deep level. There's so many things to be thankful for. I think, personally, if you really look back on 2020, yeah, the coronavirus kind of threw us all for a loop. The election is still in flux. Uh, That's all kinds of crazy. But we really should be focusing on other things and not really take what has been given to us For granted, and I saw this byline come across my desk, and it reads, Morning Alex Trebek, Wishing Al Roker Well. Both huge names. I know them. Uh, Alex Trebek, especially, somebody that I looked up to over the years, would always watch Jeopardy with my family. Was always one of the... Hot people, I thought, you know what, I'd like to have five minutes with Alex or go out to lunch with him. And he always seemed very humble, very real, very down to earth. And when he passed away of pancreatic cancer, it really took me back. It was one of the very few high profile deaths that I could say affected me. And Al Roker, of course, TV weatherman. Uh, He has a very aggressive form of prostate cancer. That's another big one. And go get checked. Let's start the interview there. Because if you catch these things early, you can beat it. Or, like Alex, he beat this thing for a long period of time and showed how strong-willed he was. But the sad news is that Alex has passed away. And so, I thought, well, This is a great time to talk to my next guest, and I'm talking with Kip Harris, and he actually has beat cancer not just once, not just twice, three times, and he's written a book about it and talks about, in the book, how he has taken away from the experience and really has found this improbable joy. Now, the improbable joy is part of the book. Improbable Joy, a three-time cancer survivor's journey to finding joy in unexpected places and those places are what we're going to be talking about right now. Kip, thanks for taking a couple of minutes and joining the show. What were your thoughts originally? Let's start with how Alex's passing recently affected you on a personal level.
1: Hey, first off, thanks for having me. I'm super excited that I get to be a part of your last show for the year. That's, that's kind of cool. Um, so, you know, I wasn't a huge Jeopardy fan, but that's partly because whenever I watched it, it just made me feel kind of stupid. So I didn't... Happens with a
0: lot of us, myself included.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but then, of course, when, in those moments when I did watch it and I actually had the answer or the question, I guess it, it would be, then I felt super smart. So, you know, I guess it works both ways, um... I love, I guess the thing that I loved, um, you know, thinking about Alex Trebek was, I love that he continued living his life. Mm. Um, We often hear, you know, that you should fight cancer, and I know you introduced me as having beaten cancer three times, and I think that's probably true, but I am on sort of a mission to get people to stop fighting cancer. And I know that's not very popular because there's this sort of connotation or people have this idea that I want them to just surrender to it. No, I don't want them to surrender. I want them to do what Alex did. He kept living. Cancer was a part of his final days. It was part of the experience that he had. So we all have choices. We get to decide um, what we're going to see and what we're, how we're going to respond to whatever's happening to us. And I think if you just sit back and you fight and that's all you do, you're, you're hyper-focused on The cancer and what it's doing to you. It's making you nauseous. It's making you lose your hair. It's making you lose weight. You're focused on all of those negative things. And so for me, it's more about just enduring cancer, moving through it, and noticing all the other things that are happening at the same time. Mm. And the book for me, the book is is really just a, a A bunch of stories about moments when I found joy in the most improbable places because I chose to look for it. And absent that intention to look right when I started, I would have missed a lot of really amazing things.
0: So first, when were you diagnosed, not to interrupt you, when were you diagnosed, and what type of cancer did you have, and what was maybe your initial thought process? I know when I was first diagnosed with melanoma, skin cancer, about seven years ago, it really kind of, i like the C word, and I sat back in my chair, and I remember I I was horrified.
1: Yeah, of course, yeah. Well... So, originally, you know, I was diagnosed back in September 2004, the first time. Okay. Um, and I was training for a marathon, so I was running, you know, every day. And I was running long distances, progressively longer distances. And I kept getting a side ache. And I thought, I just, you know, I'm training for a marathon, you get side aches, no big deal. So, you were talking, you know, in the intro about, you know, get checked, get, get this stuff done early. Definitely. And I'm totally on board with that um, because I blew it off. And, you know, we're tough. We don't want to admit. But ultimately, when I went in and I I did get diagnosed in September 2004, um, I had a very rare type of cancer. It started on my appendix. Um, And I had the wrong type of surgery first. Well, I probably had the right surgery, but the wrong chemo the first time. Okay. And so then it ultimately came back and I had the right chemo and the right surgery the second time in 2006. And then... It just didn't quite get all of it, so I had to have surgery again in 2007 and more chemo in 2007, um, but those surgeries were really difficult. They were 13 and a half hours long each, and I was down to 89 pounds at my lowest weight, so it was a really difficult um, process, but if you go back to the beginning, you asked me about what my thought process was. Yeah, I read. I re- I've long believed that people remember moments they don't remember days, mm-hmm. and I went into the ER over, was it Labor Day weekend? It was in September, yeah, Labor Day weekend, and so I had to wait like six days because the lab was backed up to get the pathology from the the cells they took out to determine whether or not I had cancer. So I remember that moment sitting on my living room couch um, when I got the call from my doctor's office and they told me that it was cancer. I remember my mom in the kitchen of my my home in California where I was living at the time. Um, I remember her crying in the, in the kitchen. Um, I guess I never had any sort of. I mean, I was scared, I suppose, but I just knew that it was something I had to move forward and do. Um, and I I feel like I'm rambling, but if, if I can just tell you this story, right? Like, I remember in those initial moments, and I'm sure you did this too, you know, you have to call all your friends and your family members and tell them, right?
0: Sure. You have to, you you feel like, you know, you don't know where this is going to lead to. And so the more interaction you have with the people that you care about, the better and you want to do it right away.
1: Absolutely. And so I did that and I got pretty much without exception, the same response from everybody, which I'm sure you heard as well. Um, oh, my gosh, Kip, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's terrible. We'll pray for you. Um, All of these things, which are very kind and very loving. You know, oh, that's so unfair. You don't deserve this. Very typical response, and I appreciated it. It all came from love. I called my buddy J.L., who's a guy that I met in Aspen, Colorado, years ago. He taught me how to ski Black Diamond mogul runs in a way that nobody else has been able to teach me. And to this day, he is 80 years old, and he still skis, and he still mountain bikes. So That's he's awesome. an amazing guy. Yeah, he's crazy. But I called him, and I'm like, hey, buddy, what's going on? I will tell you, I've got cancer. And what came out of his mouth next, I think, was the beginning of changing the course of my cancer treatment. He was the first one he said to me. It was simple, and it was easy. And he said, well, nobody said life was fair. Nobody said it was easy, Kip. Wow. like, wait a minute. You're supposed to feel sorry for me.
0: Pray for me. Something. What's going on?
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. And that was his reply. And I thought, you know what? He's absolutely right. Yeah. Why not me? What's so special about me? And so fast forward, I had a trip planned to Spain. And so I went to Spain for this wedding. And I'm sitting on the beach writing in my journal, knowing that when I go back to California, I have to start chemotherapy. And as I'm writing in my journal... I'm essentially, you know, I'm angry and I have to start chemo. I'm going to miss an annual trip that I take to Whistler, British Columbia, where I meet a bunch of friends from all over the place. We speed for a week. We have a great time. I do that every year. Um, I don't get to go this year because I'm going to have chemo. So I'm angry, and I'm writing in my journal. And essentially what I'm doing is wishing away the next six months. And I reread it, and I went, okay, that's not right. There's something wrong here. It doesn't seem smart to just want this to be over and just get back to the way life is supposed to be.
2: Right. right? Yeah.
1: And so I I reread it and I started thinking, I kept writing. So I wrote some more. And what I ultimately came to was this idea that I made an intention on the beach that day, sitting overlooking the Mediterranean Sea in Spain, that I was going to find joy in the worst moments of what was about to come in my life. I was going to find something good, in the most horrible places of what I was about to experience because I knew it wasn't going to be easy. And that moment changed, not just my chemotherapy treatment, um, that six month round I did the first time, but my life, I mean, and you can apply that to today, you know, when we're, we're going through COVID and everybody just wants things to be back to normal. We want 2020 to just be gone and be over. But there's really good stuff happening right now if yeah. we pay attention.
0: I would say probably the biggest thing that comes, I'm glad you said that, the biggest thing that's come from coronavirus that happened with my family I went my two sons, I have two 20-year-old sons, that we got to spend a lot of quality time together especially right at the beginning when there was a lot less known about the virus, <laughs> where we yes. would spend so much time watching movies and playing games and talking with one another, and that's happened across the board with so many different families, and I think that's the best thing that came out of this. And some of that I think is going to continue even when we get back to a more kind of normal. I still think we can get back to normal, but that's another show. And that is a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, another another thing for me that's come out of it is um, as a result of my surgeries, I also live with an ostomy. So I have a permanent ostomy. And so I belong to a support group for people who, are, who have ostomies and especially people who are, you know, with knew out of surgery just trying to deal with an ostomy, they need help and they need um, advice. So we have this support group and we've always met at a place, you know, downtown where people have to come. Well, I live in Minnesota. I live near Fargo, North Dakota. And um, it's a very rural place. And there's people who live an hour outside of Fargo or two hours out. And they can't get to Fargo to come to these meetings. So what we did at the last minute when COVID first started happening was we said, Hey, let's just try to do it via zoom. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And what happened was people who otherwise couldn't come to our meeting showed up. Wow. And, so we were we were forced to sort of step outside the box, and now we've engaged with people on an entirely different level, and we've brought people into that support group that otherwise couldn't come. There's a guy who's in a wheelchair who can't – he doesn't drive. So for him to get transportation is really chaotic and hectic, and it's time-consuming. He can just grab his iPad and jump into the Zoom meeting and connect with us and get support. That's a really good thing, and I think that's going to outlast COVID.
2: Oh,
0: 100%. These connections that are being made are lifelong. It's going to be something that impacts us each for the rest of our lives. In case you've just joined us, I am Noah right here and Across the County with Kip Harris, my guest. He's an author of a book that has really shown him through the writing process, and through living it, just what it means to have that improbable joy to live life to the fullest. The book is called Improbable Joy, a three-time cancer survivor's journey to finding joy in unexpected places. If you could maybe say, what are the top three things that really you live more for now than you did when you got the diagnosis of cancer, that you appreciate just a little bit more and a lot more fully? What would those three things be, Kip?
1: Well, I – oh, gosh, three things is uh, – I'm never good at lists. But I, I would say that I can tell you the story about when I made the decision to change the course of my life. My, I was sitting at my desk. I'd just finished six months of chemotherapy. For five months out of that six, I didn't eat. I was fed through a tube. My parents moved in with me. They flew to California, moved in with me. So I'm, you know, in my 30s living with my parents. They're taking care of me, and I'm not working. I go back to work, and I remember – again, people don't remember days, they remember moments. I remember this moment as clearly as I'm, I'm chatting with you right now. Um, at my desk, I'm on the phone with a client, a customer of ours. He was mad about something. He's yelling at me and screaming at me and, you know, probably justifiably upset about something and I'm trying to resolve his issue. Mm-hmm. I hung up the phone and the first thought that came into my head was chemotherapy was more fun than this job. Wow. And that, that, Yeah, exactly. Wow. And I just, holy, did that just go through my head? That's dark. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I had to make a change. And so the first thing that's changed is um, my commitment to work and what's important. I, I'm a real estate agent now. That's what I do for a living. And I tell my clients straight up, straight up front, I am not the agent who's going to drop everything to go show you a house when you want to see it. I My calendar's online. They can schedule with me anytime they want. But if I'm at my nephew's birthday party, I'm not leaving. That's what I'm there for. I'm there to be with family because, for me, that's why I moved back to North Dakota. I mean, I don't want to live in North Dakota except that my family's here. Um, So that's the first thing. I know that the most important thing is family, but if I had to say – yeah, it's occurring to me as I'm rambling on now. Yeah, you yeah.
0: see. Well, this is a good process. It's a you know yeah, this, this is. interview is helping you make that list that you never would yeah. have
1: made. Yeah, well, it's funny because I I do have three things that I live by now. It's it's really the foundation of my life and everything that's important to me. There's really only three things: love, joy, and connection. Mm. I live for love. I live to find joy, and I live to connect with other human beings. I love it, and that's it because there's nothing else that matters to me. And if I have those three things, everything else just happens. You know, the mortgage gets paid, the electric bill. It all just happens when you have those three things. So for me, that's it.
0: That set of three core principles. I love that. What, what are maybe other two things that you appreciate a little bit more now? So you appreciate family a little bit more. You actually you appreciate work. You love your work. You do it 100%, do. but family comes first. So what are maybe two other things?
1: You know, I think I have an understanding now that I didn't have before about we all have an amazing ability to touch people's lives every single day, and we don't know it. Mm.
2: Um,
1: I remember sitting at my desk in corporate America, thinking to myself, "How am I changing the world? How am I impacting the world in a positive way?" I'm just, I'm just peddling pharmacy software for a corporation out of South Carolina, and I'm managing 11 states on the West Coast and it was fun for a long time, but how am I changing the world? I'm not a social worker. I'm not a, you know, pastor who's preaching and loving people and helping them, you know, shore up their marriages when they, I'm not a nurse caring. I'm just a guy in corporate America. And I think what I've, as a result of go, having gone to what I went through, I now know that we all, all of us, regardless of what we're doing, have an ability to touch and change people's lives every single day. And we don't know it. And the reason I know that is because of the stories that I tell in the book. I mean, I can tell you about a guy named Bob, who I met when I was in the hospital doing chemo. And he was one of the most inspirational, amazing guys I've ever met. I don't know his last name. I don't know where he is today. I think he was from Truckee, California. He had just had twins, um, And he was in the hospital by himself and he was really sick, but I would wander. I would walk around. And he was so inspirational. I finally said to him on my second day in the hospital after we got to know each other, I said, I said, you know, Bob, when I'm talking to you, I said, I just, there's something about you that makes me feel alive, makes me feel good about who I am. And he looked at me and I will never forget this. He looked at me and he said, Kip, I'm just a mirror reflecting back who you are. And I was like, i never thought about it that way. He, I'm, I'm giving him all the credit for how I'm feeling. But what he did in that moment is reminded me that that's who I am. I just am not seeing it. Um, and so I think we all have to remember that. And the book is about people who changed my life in a moment don't even know it. And you can be a cashier in a gas station and change somebody's life and not know it. Um, so I, I absolutely believe that to be true now. And I don't think I believed that before. <laughs>
0: (laughs) That's great. So, attitude and family, we'll get to the last one here in just a second, but I love that because you hit the nail right on the head. You can make a difference in radio, like I am. You can make a difference in real estate, like what you do, or as an author when you're doing your book, Improbable Joy. You can be a cashier and you can brighten somebody's day who maybe has had the worst luck in the world, and you have no idea how that's going to boost them beyond that little experience that they're having with you, no matter what you do. It's all about the mental attitude.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, what would the last thing be? Kind of hard, but I really think that you're finding things that we can all learn from, especially uh-huh. as, as we're going through like the end of 2020 and the coronavirus, and the, all things that we can apply in our daily lives.
1: I think I have a better appreciation of e- even my childhood and growing up. You know, we all look back on our childhood, right? And we think. um, You know, maybe we have grievances about this or that or we wish our parents would have done this differently or that differently. But I had a at a moment where, you know, I remember as a kid, my dad wasn't around a lot. Um he was gone in the morning when I went to school and he wasn't home when I went to bed at night. Mm -hmm. He worked really, really hard to provide for us. Um but in the summer times, um, we had a cabin at a lake that was about an hour and a half, two hours away from where we lived. Every Friday he would come home from work in the afternoon and we would load up the Suburban, load up the dog and we'd head to the lake. And yeah, he yelled at us quite a bit. He'd throw us in the lake and make us ski, even if we didn't want to, because he bought a boat and by that I bought this boat, you're going to ski, right?
0: That's right. (laughs) Got to get the dollar out of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so in some ways it, it was stressful and you know, whatever, but, I didn't really think about it. It's just the way that it was. Well, fast forward, I'm running my own real estate company several years ago. This happened and it was a Friday and my family was all going to be at the lake and I was supposed to meet them up there and something happened and I got distracted and I couldn't make it and it got distracted even more and I couldn't make it. And pretty soon it's seven o'clock at night. I'm still not at the lake and everybody else is at the lake. And it occurred to me in that moment, I run a tiny little real estate agency with independent contractors, right? Mm -hmm. My dad ran two implement dealerships and a car dealership with many employees, lots of responsibility. And he managed to get away every Friday afternoon to go to the lake and spend time with his family. Mm. And I didn't realize until that moment what what a gift that was. I never really understood how difficult it was for him to leave and spend time with us on the weekend like that. And as a kid, I kind of thought about it like, you know, yeah, well, he's coming to the lake and he's just yelling and whatever. And I shouldn't say that because we had lots of good stuff happen, too. I remember, you know, building a sidewalk with him and thinking he was the smartest man in the world because he knew how to build a sidewalk, right? I'm just a kid. Yeah. You know? um, but I think I have a better appreciation of... The little things from your childhood that you might hang on to as grievances, they, are, they aren't really grievances. I think people were doing the best they could. Um. So I guess maybe I'm not quite as judgmental as I used to be.
0: No, that's that's a great thing. I mean, my dad and I, when I was growing up, not have the closest relationship, but it, it, you mm-hmm. look back at the moments where maybe they didn't go as planned, or you had a little yeah. bit of a disagreement, and it, was, it really wasn't that bad, and you realize that some of the things that were said, maybe they were just said out of love, and you have to move on. And you, you can look back on it a little bit more fondly, and and have more of an appreciation, just like you said. I think that's a tremendous thing to come away with.
1: Absolutely. And just, it's got to be said, you know, because I know my parents will probably hear this this interview that there's nobody I want to help me more than my dad today. Like, if I Amen. call him right now, he's over here. I mean, I've got the most organized garage that you will ever see in your life. And that's only because of my dad. It's not because of me. <laughs>
0: Oh if there if there's anything to do with cars my my dad is helping me I couldn't change a tire without his help so Great. Well, I think this is a book that can really help a lot of people, whether they're going through cancer, which would be a tremendous benefit for their mindset or not. I think just for a reset of the mind as we go into a brand new year here in 2021. And I want people to check it out at improbablejoy.com. It's Improbable Joy, a three-time cancer survivor's journey to finding joy in unexpected places. Got about four minutes left here with my guest, kip harris kip if there's one thing you want people to come away with after they're done reading this book and they can find it again at improbablejoy.com it's that sense of improbable joy and what does that overall look like to you how would that look in your mind having that sense of improbable joy as you're living your life to the fullest
1: Yeah, so I guess there's a couple things I want people to understand. People who are going through chemo or whatever it is they're going through, remember it's not just about you. And I can say that because I've been through it. It's not just about you. I know that my mom would have much rather gone through the chemo than have me go through it. So you have to take into consideration the feelings of all those people who have to watch you go through it. Invite them into the experience. Don't be this person who says, I don't want to burden people that's nonsense. It's nonsensical, ridiculous talk. Um, If your friend was going through chemo, would you want to be there to help them? The answer is yes.
0: The answer is always yes.
1: The answer is always yes. So reach out to your friends, ask them for help. They want to be a part of it, whatever it is, even if it's not cancer or chemotherapy. The other thing and the big thing for me about the book is, you know, I remember taking a seminar with somebody who was you know, helping in the beginnings of writing the book. I said, well, you know, to sell a book, you've got to have the seven steps to find joy in improbable places. Well, they said, you can't make it easy. It's got to be a process, so they need to buy the book for the process. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you there's a process just to sell a book. Um, it's a simple process that's simple once you get it. Find an intention to look for joy in the most horrible moment that you're having. Mm. You're not always going to find it, but that's the challenge. And my book is just a bunch of of stories, a bunch of moments where I actually found joy in a really awful moment. Um, so that's my, my words of wisdom to people. Look for joy. Everywhere you look. My friend Rob, the other day we were talking, told me he read somewhere in a, in a scientific journal that, For every one positive thing that we get, um, we get like eight negative things, or eight negative things, you know, impact us, or we need eight positive things to offset one negative thing. Mm -hmm. So there's reason right there to look for joy, find joy, because you need it to offset those things that are negative in your life.
0: And you may find them in the most unexpected of places.
1: I guarantee you'll find them. I absolutely guarantee you'll find them. It's, you know, it's it's almost as simple as if you're looking ahead and you don't like what you're seeing, turn your head to the right, just a little bit. There's something else going on just to the right. And that might be the thing that's going to bring you joy in that moment. And that's really what it's about. You know, if, if you're experiencing something painful, um, look around there's something else happening there you know when i'm being fed through a tube i'm looking at my mom who's preparing this bag of food for me with love she's there to support me that's joy i mean it
0: yeah as we started off the interview you know we talked about alex trebek and one of the things that you and i both appreciate about him is he continued to live his life and he continued to find the positive and the and the things that were important to him and to his family and that's what it's all about and whether you have cancer or you have some other disease or you're just maybe not in the right mindset turn your head to the right turn your head to the left and you're going to find something i think that's going to maybe you didn't know was there but it's it's going to change your attitude
1: Yeah. And I would also say if you're somebody out there listening and you just want to talk to somebody because COVID has isolated us to such an extent that it's crazy, go to my website, click on my calendar and schedule a Zoom meeting with me. I would love to meet people from all over the place and just connect. There's nothing more important to me than love, joy and connection
0: love joy and connection three things that i think we can all look forward to having a little bit more of in 2021 go to improbablejoy.com whether you want to get the book or whether you want to schedule a meeting with kip because you just want to be able to connect with somebody i know he'd appreciate it i think i'm going to do it myself actually it'd be nice to have a face-to-face kip yeah yeah, that'd be great. Get his book, Improbable Joy, a three-time cancer survivor's journey to finding joy in unexpected places. Kip, you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, my friend, and I'll be seeing you soon because I think I'm going to schedule something so that you and I can, uh, ju- can just put a face with the voice.
1: Yes, I'd love it. Merry Christmas to everybody out there, too.
0: Improbablejoy.com.
2: Noah here on Across the County. Stay tuned. There's more coming up.